not changing it up on us. So grateful that our circumstances, our situations, our timelines can change, but we can count on the Lord. He's consistent. He hasn't changed. He's not a shifting shadow. That we can go to him and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's alive and that he hears us and that he loves us. I haven't shared this in a long time, but there's two things I'm 100% sure of. That God is good. And that's not a little statement. It sounds just like a little thing, but that's a big thing. When you come to the test of is God good or not, it's, it's not a question to me, and I've been tested in it. And there was times that the test came and I didn't answer that he was good. But I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt, beyond the circumstances, beyond all the things that I know this, God is good, and I'm 100% sure of this, too, that I am loved. Pretty much everything outside that is ever going to come that I've had to filter, it has to be filtered by that. God is good, and I am loved. It has to pass through those filters. It has to be, because the enemy is going to try to do all kinds of things to disrupt that, to say, to get you to question God, for you to get into a place that you're usurping his authority instead of you submitting and being that child that doesn't have to know all the answers, that doesn't have all the answers, doesn't know why stuff's happening. You're, you're going to get tired of me, church, saying this, but I'm going to keep doing it until it gets old. So that means I'm going to keep doing it. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But to those who received him, he gave the right to become children. It's so funny. I can't get away from it. Everywhere I turn, I was reading through scripture and I was into 1 John and, and it's just over and over that he's saying, little children, little children, little children. That's what we're supposed to be. That's the right that he's given us. He's given us the right. To not have to be these superstars, to not have to be these huge theologians, to not have to have all the answers, to not have to have all the power. He's given us the right to be little children, free, that can run around and say, ignorance is bliss, because I know who my dad is, and I know that I'm in good hands with him. I know that he's protecting me. He always knows what's best for me, and he always wants what's best for me. And he's so awesome, he can want what's, what's best for me, what's best for her, what's best for him, what's best for her, what's best for him, all at the same time. It's wild. He's that good, and he's that awesome, and we are loved by that good of a God that I might not understand what's going on, but as a little child, I don't understand as a lot of things, right? Like when you were a little kid, you'd be like, so how does uh, thermal nuclear science work? I don't have a clue. Like all I need to know is if I go to this thing, I like tomorrow. It turns off. That's all you need to know. I don't need to know how the electricity works and how it runs through the circuits. And I don't need to know that. All I need to know is like, when I call out to dad, he's right there. 
and he's good and he loves me. And when he comes along and he tells me, hey, why don't you come over here? Because that over there isn't any good. I don't even have to know why. I can just go, okay, Dad. Because I know that he's good and I'm loved by him. And I can be so free, I don't have to even know anything about why he doesn't want me over there. Or for maybe right now, it's just not for you. I want that for you, but when you're old enough, you'll be able to handle it. Because I'm good. See, I can be carefree as a kid and go, okay. But how come they get to have it? I could do that too as a kid. And he knows that. And he's not like, stupid kid. He knows that's what kids do. And he still loves us. So I hope that you're free today and you're encouraged to just be a, be a kid. That's the right he gave for you. He could have said to those who received him, he gave the right to be the greatest scholars of all time. He gave the greatest giftings. gave the right to become children, sons and daughters. And in that son and daughtership, he gave the right that you would hear, this is my son, this is my daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. It brings him joy to watch his kids frolic about at times. It doesn't bring him joy when they're all stressed out, trying to figure out stuff that they don't have any business trying to figure out. It brings me great joy when I watch my kids be kids. When they're being goofy, when they're shooting each other with the Nerf gun, when they're messing stuff up sometimes. When they have other kids around and they're messing and playing in the pool. We had a bunch of young adults over last night. It made me happy to see them all out, hanging out together, happy they were in a good attitude. Our Father loves to see His kids together. I guarantee you, this time of communion, He was so pleased with us. And He's pleased with you this morning. Even if you did get up a little grumpy. Even if you did not have the song of the Lord just flowing from you from the moment you woke up. It's not so much about you. It's about Him who he's called you to be and what he has instilled in you and the image that he's put on you. Amen? Amen. Well, if you brought your Bibles today or your phone or the Bible app or whatever you brought, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. If you weren't here last week, we laid quite the foundation um, of the importance of of knowing that in order for us to really receive of the power and the, the importance of the armor of God, we have to first understand that we need it. Amen? So Ephesians chapter 6, starting verse 10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. In who? Not in yourself. And in the power of? His might, not in your strength. Isn't that encouraging? I don't have to
not to try to be strong in my strength. We looked at last week that, that he told Paul, my weakness, my power is made, made, made best in your weakness. He says to put on the whole armor of God. Whose armor? God's armor. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, you're going to hear stand three times. Now, standing is the position of success. I want you to see that as this goes through. He's not saying you're successful when you have the head of the giant in your hand. The very fact that you're standing is success. Now, he says it three times. That you'd be able to stand against the wiles and the tricks, the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in the heavenly places. I had, a, I had a young lady send me a text this week. It was so cute. She was listening to the message and remembered me talking about that we don't go to Walmart in our armor most of the time. And I know that if you ever go to Walmart, you'll see pe- lots of people dressed in various different disguises. <laughs> or pajamas. Right? the very fact that they don't think that they're going to war. And I had her go, it was so funny, Pastor, I was going to Walmart, and I was thinking about your message. I thought, how cool is that? The Lord's able to bring these little things and then take, naturally go in there and remind him, hey, I need to put my armor on. The fact I got to wrestle with two people last week. <laughs> Hopefully that inspired, did it, I hope it inspired some people that when the enemy came this week, when those powers and the demonic forces came that you wrestled that you didn't just lay down and tap that you actually engaged up close and personal and you spoke some things so he goes goes on he says therefore in light of all that take up the whole armor of god that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand stand therefore now, I'm not the sharpest guy, but I'm pretty, I think it's pretty important we're supposed to stand. That means get up, right? You may have got knocked down, but get up. You may have got sucker punched. Well, get up. Get back on your feet and stand. You can't fight from your back. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist. See the, the tense there says, having done this that means that you're already prepared you already see the need you haven't already done that gird your waist with truth having put on having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having your your shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts turn to your neighbor and say you will be able to quench Turn the other one. Tell him you will be able. Now look at yourself. I will be able. No one's going to do it for you. You will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always in prayer and supplication in the spirit 
being watchful, pay attention, to the end with all perseverance, supplication for all the saints. All right. Good news. We did get some armor on this week. Bad news. Two pieces. <laughs> all right. Um, I do want to just look at a little bit of, um, I didn't get to this last week, and, and this is where we're going to start, is, is I, wanna, I want you to understand and, and think about this for a second, how important attitude is. Like some of you in, encountered that this morning. You, you encountered how important attitude is. You either came across a really good attitude, and you're like, yes, it is very important. Or you came across a bad attitude, you're like, yes, attitude is very important. <laughs> either way, it's super important. Um, so I want to say a good attitude is a must in a fight. You got to have a good attitude. Like you got to have an attitude. Like if your attitude is that you're already defeated before you get in the fight, guess what? You're already defeated. Like, um, was Robert here? I thought I saw Robert. Oh, he's here. Darn it. Sorry, Robert. Um, well, Robert wasn't defeated, but his team was. <laughs> um, and this is going to make sense. I watched a team come out with a good attitude. They came out, they scored a couple touchdowns, and then they got punched in the mouth. Their attitude changed. And it wasn't, that same team put the two touchdowns up, but that attitude changed, and then that team didn't put another touchdown up. Attitude is so important. If you get punched in the mouth, and what I'm saying is when the enemy, and how does that look in the physical the enemy comes and he punches you in your mouth. Maybe you didn't see it coming and something comes against the truth and, and it gets in there and you, and you have a slip up or you have a failure or something. The enemy had his way in an area or you get a diagnosis, whatever it is, and it's, you know it's demonic. That ain't from God. And your attitude changes. He's got you. Now see, we should be able to, if we have the proper attitude, and we know who we are, that even if the enemy comes, and I've seen this happen in different people, I remember, and I'm going to use someone that I, thank you, Holy Spirit, um, Donnell McLean, Donnell Mbindo is the missionary I talk about a lot, 40 years in Japan, the most godly man and woman I've ever met in my life, the love of God just exuded out of them. He got a cancer diagnosis, and he was coming to teach him, and he would go get treatment and still come right afterwards, and we'd be like, Donnell, how you doing? He's like, oh, it's great. And I remember like, this guy's like crazy like or he's fake he wasn't faking it he'd say Here, here's what here's what the attitude is and he didn't say this but this is what it is for me here's the truth and we have to walk in truth we're not denying the fact that you got a cancer diagnosis but here's the truth a demon of cancer is very small compared to god it's a really small demon compared to the holy spirit and to who god is so an attitude of, I got to have the right attitude of this. It doesn't mean that this is over. Now, it doesn't mean it's not, but your attitude must be of that, that I'm going to stand in a place and my attitude's going to be right in relationship and who I know God to be. That has to be. Or if you go into the fight defeated, you're going to be defeated. Does that make sense? So attitude's important. Donnell would say, He'd come back from treatment. And you could tell that he, he, it was, he didn't look super strong. How you doing? Oh, this is a great opportunity. Huh? 
yeah, I'm getting to talk to Je- about Jesus to all these people I wouldn't have been able to talk to before. Now I'm over in this area where they're getting the, the putting in the drip and doing all this stuff, and I'm getting to talk to them about the Lord. This is awesome. Because I would have never been able to, to reach these people. Well, he went through his treatment. He came out of it, and he didn't die from cancer. There was an attitude that was almost predetermined. He'd been through enough stuff. He had faced enough battles. He had, he had, his picture of who God was was way bigger than the diagnosis that came. So, so Charles Swindoll wrote this beautiful poem. I don't know if it's a poem or just a statement, but I came across this some years ago. And it, it became so important to me and such a big truth that I stuck it at my bench where I worked because I needed, how many, how many ever know when, you know, like, I need a different attitude. How many of you have been like, you were disgusted with your own attitude? You're like, self, your attitude sucks. Self, you need an attitude adjustment. (laughs) And you're like, I'm ready for it, Lord. (laughs) So this became pretty important to me, and and I stuck this by my bench, and I still have one by my desk at the office right now. And it says, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. You hear that? It is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, more important than success. Doesn't that sound like we've been talking about forgetting what's behind, pressing towards what's ahead? It's more important than appearance. Oh, my bad. It's, it's more important than what other people think, say, or do. It's more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, or a home. We just had, um, I just had a little talk with our, our family. And it wasn't, we didn't, wasn't, that wasn't a big thing. And I didn't ask permission, but sorry. I'll just ask forgiveness. How's that? Does they, it says it's like easier to ask forgiveness than permission. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Anyways. <laughs> Um, sometimes there's a, there, there was just starting to be a little funky attitude up here yesterday. And there was like work and chores and stuff getting done. And just I heard some little this stuff. So I'm not saying I'm, and I, I, I didn't put it off on everyone else. I just, I just felt the Holy Spirit just prompt me to like bring them together. Let's talk about attitude. So okay. So hey guys, come in. And this was for all of us. I said, you know, it's really easy. It's really easy to be kind to people outside of these walls. It's really easy to not want to offend someone outside of these walls. And I was speaking to myself. It's really easy to not want to say something because they might leave the church. It's really easy. You you with me? But it's really easy in my house to go like, hey, why are you doing this for me? And It's really easy for us as family. I said, let's make this a point that in these walls, we're going to encourage one another. In these walls. I said, the, the battle's out there. Like, these people are trying to eat us. These people out here, and I don't mean you people. I mean, I'm talking about, like, the world. Like, they're trying to tear us down. They're the ones trying to discourage. They're the ones trying to steal faith. Like, let's in these walls. Let's build up one another. Let's talk to one another with respect, with 
of encouragement. Now I'm talking to myself. Like, let's, let's all of us, like, be mindful of that so that this area will be a place where the, our attitudes are right. Make sense? So I'm not just saying it to you. Like, we are in the midst of it. So he says, the remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude. Isn't that true? You don't have a right to say it's not my fault. Your attitude is, you are responsible for your attitude. Like, here's another truth. I hated this truth when I heard it, just being honest. This was a truth I was listening to focus on the family. I was uh, surveying for my father-in-law, and we were on our way to Marysville, and I'd listen to the Christian radio. And this guy was talking about, I don't know if it was marriage or just anger. On, and and you know, it was like, who wants to listen to that? But he said, he said this statement, and it made me angry, which told me, I have a problem. When you hear the truth and it makes you mad, you may have a problem. This was the statement. He said, no one can make you angry. You choose to be angry. Oh, I was like, that's bull. Like, take it. And the Holy Spirit just like let this listen for a little while and was like, you done? It's the truth. Dang it. It's the truth. No one can make you mad. No one can make you angry. You choose to be angry. You are responsible for your attitude. No one can make you have a bad day. No one can make you have a bad attitude. You have chosen to agree. Yeah, that should have been a lot bigger amen. (laughs) Oh, it's my doing. I can choose. Everyone say, amen, pastor, you can choose. cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. Seth, what will people always do? Every time. That's what that's saying. We cannot change the fact that people will act a certain way. People are always going to be people. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced, I love this part, that to me this is the greatest part. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you and me. We are in charge of our attitude. I remember years ago I did a study with the youth. I was doing a message on... I think it was worry. And there was a, a survey that was done. It wasn't in the church. It was, a, it was a secular survey. And they came up with this. 90% of the things we worry about never happen. I was blown away by it. I was like, that can't be right. Like 90% of the things that we worry about never happen. That almost, like it does. It aligns with this. I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. Now that was a big speech about attitude. Here's what I know. A good attitude is a must in a fight. 
It is a must. And we've already looked at that we have to know that we're in a fight. That was last week. You have to know that you're not all that in a bag of chips. That you, it's not about your strength. So you've got to have a good attitude. But check this out. As important as attitude is, if you don't put on the armor, you're naked with a good attitude. We're not going there. <laughs> what I mean by naked, as my dad would say, naked, naked, is you don't have armor on. Like, attitude is super important. Have your mind right is super important. But you still need to put on the armor. It's very important to have a good attitude and the armor. You with me? All right. So let's start putting on some armor. Now we've got our attitudes right. Well, some of you haven't got your attitude right because you're still mad at me because I said you choose to be angry. If you're mad at me today, it's not my fault. <laughs> yeah, try that with your wife, though. <laughs> I actually was dumb enough to say what I learned one time. Oh, oh, we're in good company. <laughs> So he goes on and he says, stand for, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having girded your waist with truth. Before the armor could be put on, the soldier had to bind the loose flowing clothing worn by the people of that day so that he could be free to move. I want you to, to if you can put that, it's so different. We put a picture in our mind of like putting on armor, like what we're clothed in today. Are you guys, are you like me? This is how people dress. Now, guys, women know this. If they have a skirt down to their ankles, you can't move. Like, try to swing your leg up over a motorcycle and a skirt down to your ankles. It don't work. So the first thing of girding up your loins. Now, I'm not going to read every single one of those, but I want you to get the picture. They grab some of that binding cloth, pull it up, get it tight around the behind, run it through, bring it back again, and then tie that off. Now, I like what it says here at the end. Finally, tie your two handfuls of material together, and you're all set for both battle and some hard labor. Go forth, be ye men, and gird up your loins. Now, the cool thing that I want you to see, besides that cool sword, but Here's what, in that culture, what you knew right off the bat. If you came across a person, or if you came across, like, ten guys, and they were girded up, you're going to look at them a little differently. You're going to go, like, something's up. I don't know what's going on, but it's about to go down. Like, there's been times in my life, in the old life, that I would see different things, and you could go, I don't know who's getting it. I don't know, but I know it's on. And it's time to get ready. It would be like today if 10 or 15 people walked in this church in black with AK-47s and grenades. You wouldn't be like, oh, did you come to worship today? Oh, here's a bulletin. I've had people just come in that just looked a little different. They're like, Pastor Steve, um, are you aware that there's someone here that looked? I'm like, 
I'm like, oh, no, you mean, I'm like, no, because I'm a, a smart aleck. No, I didn't see that person with such and such, such and such, such and such. And they're like, oh, well, oh, wait a minute, so you did. Yes, I did. That's awesome. You're not going to miss that. You know who won't miss that either? The enemy will know if you're girded up. Right off the bat, oh, he's girded up. You know what he can tell right off the bat? He's not off duty. He's on duty. You see, the soldiers, when they went on duty, they girded up. They had their belts, everything tucked in tight. Everything was ready. And when they got off duty, they came and they would let the clothing drop, belt loose. They're off duty. It was an obvious sign they're not on duty. Now, I'm, not, I'm trying not to be crude right now, but um, I'm sorry, babe. I, didn't, I should have asked this one. Oh, I'm, I'm already in trouble. Might as well go all the way. I didn't know how important. Now, this is whatever. It just is. We're mature and the kids are gone. So um, <laughs> I know my wife's off duty when her bra is off. Now, hold on. I, I didn't I didn't know. I did not know the power of that for a long time. I would be like, hey, let's go. And I would hear these words, and I just heard, wah, 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 wah. I took my bra off. And I'm like, and? Like, apparently, once they come off, at the, they can't go back on. There's like, there's like time limits on those things. Like, there's like warnings, and it's like, nope, will not make contact. I didn't know that. I was like, so what? We can just, nope. I'm not going. I'm not, we're, no, it's not happening. They can't come over. No, whatever. It's, it's all shut down. Wasn't aware. That is, that means I'm relaxed. That means I'm off duty. It means I'm not going to do anything else. That's the same thing when you're not girded up. Nope, I'm not on. Call someone else. Now, that's not the position the Lord told us to take right now. He said, gird yourself up. The position you need to be in is ready. It's not a leisurely position. Are you with me? It's not a leisurely time. Like, this is, this is not the message, that the popular message for the church today. Like, this, I'm sorry, and write your congressman or whoever cares. Um, it's not the popular, like, we want to tell people, like, everything's awesome. You are, like, the Lord wants you to come and just be blessed. He wants you just to receive, and he wants you to be prosperous. And he doesn't expect really much. No, the Lord said, like, um, gird yourself up. Like, that's not the takeoff time. That's the time. You're on duty. It's on. Be ready. You with me? All right. So 
that is, hopefully that's a good visual. Good reminder. Guy, if you ever put on a dress, you're going to need to know, before you go to work or fight, you got to tie that bad boy up. Amen? So I'm just going to go with probably not putting on a dress, so I'm ready. (laughs) Just saying. To tighten the belt meant that the soldier was ready for duty, and to loosen his belt meant that he was going off duty. So girding your loins is the opposite of self-indulgence, ease, or carelessness. Hear me? Now, Paul compares the wide leather belt of a soldier to the belt of truth to be worn by a Christian who literally stands in the realm of truth. Remember all those stands? Stand, stand, stand there for. What are we standing in? Standing in the realm of truth. I am putting on and tightening around me. I'm girding myself up. I am getting prepared, and I am prepared in truth. And I'm going to be in the realm of truth. Do you hear me? Like, that's why the Lord has, for me, and I hope you hear me, I'm not telling you what to do, and there's no conviction going out to anyone. If you get conviction for what I'm about to say, it wasn't for me. I'm just listening to what the Lord's telling me to do right now. In order for me to stay in the realm of truth, I can't watch the news right now. I, it affects my realm of truth. I, because I am in a different realm then. I'm listening to lies. I'm being lied to. And it's affecting my realm of truth. I, I'm not, the Lord right now, no social media for you. Because for me, it's not true. There's some truth. And I'll, listen, I'm not against people that are putting verses up. I did all that, and that's great. But when even what we look at, the pictures that go up, like I never took pictures of me and my wife fighting and put them on Facebook. (laughs) Well, I just want to be relevant and be in the truth. No, like we put always, it's always this like facade of everything is great. It's always the greatest moments, the greatest angle of the greatest moments and the greatest lighting of the greatest moment. And that's not real. So then we have this fake encounter then we think we've made connections with people i got people i know they were mad at me because i didn't respond to them because they thought they communicated with me because it was they put a post on facebook and you have too you've probably been upset with people before well they didn't even ask me how things they didn't see it so it's it's a false reality The only way, if you want me to know something, listen, this is crazy, you have to tell me. What? Yeah. And the only way for you, like, I have to actually communicate with you to know really what's going on. So for me, like, I'm pretty sure you're all going to let me know if something crazy happens in the world that I need to know about. I'm pretty, I'm positive of it. If something crazy happens in your life that I need to know about it, You're going to let me know. Now, I hope you hear me. I am not, those of you who go on Facebook while you occasionally look at your community, I don't care. God's not upset with that. Hear my heart. He's not upset by that. If this does it, then let it go in one ear and wave goodbye as it goes out the other. I'm telling you what I got to do because the Lord's talking to me. He said, this for you. No. It affects my realm of truth. It affects, like, me thinking, it's starting to, oh, what about this? And should we do that? And then I get frustrated, angry. Why are they doing that? 
I need to, this is the realm of truth I need to stay in. This is the realm of truth. This is the truth that needs to be in my mind, affecting. I need to stay in this realm. When I get outside of this realm of truth, it's all bad. I don't know, like, some of you who knew me from years ago, like, and some of you that know me now, like, if you stick around long enough, you will probably see me out of the realm of truth at some point, and you will be able to go, like, he was right. It wasn't good. None of you will ever go outside the realm of truth, but every once in a while I do. And it's because I've stepped out of the truth. I didn't believe what the Father is saying of me and speaking of me. I'm not receiving the truth of how he views me. I'm thinking that I have a purpose that is not my purpose. I'm taking on things that I don't need to take on. I'll tell you this, when we fight from the realm of God's word, which is truth, we will not be defeated in battle. I've never lost a battle with the enemy when I was grounded and standing in truth. It's not happened. Jesus went 40 days without food to his physical body and then took on Satan. At his weakest in the natural And you know what he used? Three verses. Three verses from Deuteronomy. That's all he did. Three verses. How many of you have actually been grounded in a verse? I've had things come into my life and the Lord deposits a verse for me. He says, stand on that verse. Stay in the realm of that verse. It might not be ten verses. One single verse. And that was the realm of truth that I needed to defeat the enemy. How about you? I know I'm not alone in that. We have to gird up ourselves, put on that belt of truth, and stand in that realm completely affected by truth. Amen? Yep, you guys don't listen very fast. We're going to get to the breastplate of righteousness. Let's look at that, the breastplate. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. I love how he just assumes that you're doing it. But how many of you know, like, it's too late if, like, you look out your window and the enemy's already there on your porch. Uh Uh-oh, let me go run and grab my belt. Where where did I leave my breastplate at? Honey, have you seen my... Because it's got to be her fault. She moved it. No, she moved it because I probably left it laying on the couch. Right, guys? <laughs> They're like, I ain't saying anything. You're on your own. <laughs> yeah. I leave stuff, and she is so she puts stuff away. She puts stuff away. It's beautiful. <laughs> you, got, you ever see that box thing? They're like, it's crazy. I set stuff on this. It disappeared. It's like magic. It's his wife actually picking stuff up and putting it away. So, the breastplate, where do we leave it? But we assume that we're already having put it on. Tells me that we should have already had it on. So what is it? Once again, I'm going into very deep theological stuff right now. So prepare yourself. The breastplate protects the vitals. 
It's the important stuff. You shouldn't go out without the vitals protected and covered. And they're all in this region. Hunting, you know that animals, if you were to get on all four, the, the target area you want to shoot is right behind the shoulder, right in this area, right here. Because that is lungs, heart, liver, all the vital areas. Like, you get a shot there, it's going to die. The enemy knows that. He's going to go for the vitals. So what do we have to put on? Now, I love the fact that when you go back to the beginning of this, it says, literally, to put on the whole armor of yourself. Oh, no, it doesn't say that. It says to put on the whole armor of who? So, so what? here's my question. What breastplate should you put on? Whose? There we go. You know what your righteousness is? That ain't going to be a very good breastplate. But yet, we try to do that all the time. I grew up the majority of my life in church trying to put on a breastplate of righteousness that was my righteousness. All these good works, doing all these things. I'm doing these things. I'm building up my righteousness. And I was miserable. I had no concept that it wasn't my righteousness that was my armor. I had no understanding that it wasn't about me being good. It wasn't about me doing enough things. It wasn't about me attempting to empower, power through a bunch of the struggles. It was about me literally going, and, and it took me way too long to figure this out. My righteousness doesn't work. Your breastplate, your own breastplate, your own righteousness is not going to work. It ain't going to cut it. You have to literally put on his righteousness. Now, his righteousness is a lot bigger. Think about that breastplate. I'm little. He's big. I'll take that big breastplate of your righteousness. Remembering that Jesus walked through this whole world never sinned not once completed dotted every i crossed every t of the law flawlessly you don't get more righteous than that he was the holy God, son of god righteous never failed never sinned his righteousness is what i need and if i put on his righteousness guess what the enemy can say and do all he wants and it ain't gonna hit are you hearing me like, if I put on his righteousness, he can lie, say whatever he wants about me, remind me of my past, do all the different stuff, and it's just going dink, 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 not even a dent, not even a scratch. It's like a raindrop bouncing off steel. It's like, are you kidding me? That's all you got? Now, if I'm in my righteousness, oh, I'm in trouble. He's just bringing raindrops, and I'm like, oh! I think I'm mortally wounded. He brought up something from my past. He brought up something from today. Oh. Yeah, my righteousness ain't going to cut it. Your righteousness isn't going to cut it. You're going to have to put on the breastplate of righteousness, the armor of God, because his righteousness is going to cut it. You need, and, and what does that look like? The, it's a simple thing, and, and, and we've got so far from it in modern religion 
it's not about what you're doing. It's not about your works. It's not about your efforts. It's what he did. And you have to receive that. You see, in order to be able to put on the righteousness of God, the breastplate of righteousness, you have to be able to receive his breastplate. I'm going to speak to some folks. Is that all right? For a long time, I was not capable of receiving his breastplate because the devil had me so twisted, I didn't think I was worthy of it. Softly quiet. I wasn't worthy to have his righteousness placed on me. I felt more comfortable in my breastplate because I knew that breastplate was jacked up, but I knew I couldn't be perfect. And what I thought about him is like, I can't be that. I'm not that. I, I know what I am. I'm not trying to lie or fool. And it was like a messed up thing. Like, you're trying to be fake. You're trying to be someone you're not. No. I'm going to put on his righteousness because without it, I'm done. And the whole point, like the gospel, the gospel, it's basically putting on the gospel. The gospel is this. You and me, filthy, dirty. We broke all the rules of God and the laws of God. And he came. And he paid the price for us, for you and me, and for the sins of the world. Think about it. All of the sin of the world was placed on him, the righteous one, so that all the world could be seen as righteous. He undid what Adam did. The Bible says he came as the second Adam. What did, what did he do? He didn't eat from the tree. He went sinless. And then he said, hey, you can have part of me and I will have part of you. Give me your sin. Give me your unrighteousness. Give me your sickness, your disease, your oppression, your depression, your demonically influenced selves. Give it to me and I will give you righteousness and wholeness. Receive it. Put it on. That's good news, church. That is what you need to equip yourself in and get very comfortable with it. Like, you must see yourself how he sees you. He sees you righteous. He sees you holy. This messed me up when I first heard this. I don't know who said it, whoever it is. I'd like to kiss him. I heard this some years ago. It affected me, and I didn't really like it at first. I didn't really believe it at first. This was the statement. He see, in a nutshell, he sees me as if I've never sinned. That jacked me up. You'll hear me say that because I wrestled with that. Can that be? Yeah, that's how powerful the blood is. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. I heard the song growing up. We sang it. I didn't believe that. Like, as if I never sinned? That's what? Righteous. He sees me, and he sees you as he sees his son. Sinless, spotless. Why? Because you were bought with a price. You've been washed by the blood. Your sins have been cast as far as the east is from the west. They're into the sea of forgetfulness. So the Father chooses in all of his glory, like he's all-knowing, all-powerful. 
he chooses because he's God and he can do this kind of stuff. When the blood's applied, I don't see it. You've got to put on righteousness. And you must wear that because it will stop all kinds of attacks from the enemy that will try to take you out by the very fact of you're like, who are you talking? What? I'm son of the most high. My father, I don't know what you're talking about. Those sins are gone. Now trip out on this. Do you think Jesus paid for the sins that were committed up to the cross? Okay, then what's that mean? Does that mean all the sin past the cross? What about all the sin after you asked him to forgive you of your sin? Well, we have to, what do you have to do? You have to put on righteousness is what you have to do. Do you think his blood was powerful enough when you said, Father, I do not want to be that person anymore. Like, what does new creation mean to you? Like, here's what happened. The old, my old self died. Is that, is that what the Bible says? Okay, that man died. And a new man resurrected. And I will promise you, this new man has new desires, has new dreams, new vision, has new ways of life. And I'll hear people tell me, they wrestle with me about this righteous thing. I'll say, he sees you as if you ever said, I don't have to sin anymore. I don't. I have a completely new nature. And men will argue with me about that. What are you saying then, pastor? So you're saying you never sin. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I'm not even paying attention. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not so sin conscious that I'm freaked out every single little thing. Oh, no. Did I or did I not? Did I? Like, I don't know if I sinned today. I couldn't tell you. Seth is laughing. I think I know what you're thinking about. When we were in Africa, I don't know how many days it went by, but it struck me one day. I'm like, I don't think I've sinned for like, we'll, we'll say on the small side, two days. Might have been longer than that. It probably was. And I, and I was like, I don't think I've sinned. And I'm like, I probably just did. Seriously, that was still my mindset. I, I probably just sinned. I mean, everything was sin. It was talked about nonstop. The 90% of the message that I ever hear every week was sin, sin, sin. You need to get saved and go to the altar. I need to get saved like every week. I never felt like I wasn't saved. I was always trying to get better and be righteous. Instead of going, thank you. Because I'll tell you what, when you understand what he did for you, and how thoroughly he cleansed you, and how free he set you, your only response is, thank you! And it will affect how you live. It will totally affect. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but I'm not looking for sin. I'm not even really aware of it much. I'm living freely as a little child. And when my daddy says, son, you messed up, I go, oh, I'm sorry. Now go play. That's what it looks like. For real. The Lord told me to give my son an ice cream after the last time I spanked him. It blew my world. I was like, what? Which was a long time ago. But I bet you never, you probably thought I flipped my lid. I was like, what? I'm like, I must, I'm not hearing the Lord. 
Now, I knew as the Lord read, I'm like, Lord, that don't make no sense. And he said this. He goes, that's what I do with you. Oh, he broke my heart. I just, I said, we're getting ice cream. I was like, you're right. I never forgot it. It's like, it's exactly what you do with me. He loves me. He brings it to my attention. And I go, oh, you're so right. And we move on. I'm free. That only comes by putting on his righteousness. How, how big of a part of the armor do you think that is? Oh, I'll tell you, it'll change your life. You'll go from religion to freedom. Now, and I'm not, I hope you hear me. So what are you saying, Pastor? You just go do whatever you want? No, I'm saying my desire to go do what I is not even there. The very fact that I do get convicted, that, that if I sin or when I do, it ain't natural for me anymore. And I celebrate that. And he does too. He's like, oh, hey, just letting you know, like, that's like, oh, Lord, you are so right. He's like, that's my boy. He's getting so much better. That kid, man, he was a knucklehead before. But, man, he's really, isn't that what we do as parents? We don't expect our family and our, to be perfect. When you see your sons and your daughters and they're putting the effort out and they're trusting you and they're loving on you and there's not things in their life that are keeping them from you, you're so pleased and happy. And you don't want that to change. And you're going to go, hey, hey, come a little closer. That's what he says. Come boldly to the throne room of grace. How can we come boldly to the throne room of grace if we don't see ourselves as righteous? You will always keep it distant. But when you truly put on his righteousness and you believe that he sees you as if you've never sinned, you can come boldly into his throne room. You're like, Dad, I'm here. He's like, come on in. Been waiting for you. Not like, hey, someone go in there and see if, uh, what kind of mood Dad's in today. Maybe later you come back. I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, I'm not going to change it. Do you think that's the relationship the Lord wants? That was the old covenant. They didn't come back. I don't hear any bells ringing. Who's going in there? Uh, you're going. I'm going to need an hour. Oh, yeah, I did this. I did this. I did this. I did. Honey, what else did I do? <laughs> I said some things at the pulpit I shouldn't have talked about. How confident do you think you're going into that place? Scared to death. Jesus has made that where we can come boldly in. In righteousness. He sees us as if we never sinned. Standing in that place of truth. Putting on the breastplate means you understand the basics of the gospel. That you're his son. Ladies, that you're his daughter. Like you should literally, we need to wake up. We need to wake up in the morning and we need to wake up to this. Lord, thank you for 
that you're seeing me this morning is because I never changed. Thank you, Lord, that I hear you saying, I'm your son in whom you're well pleased. Ladies, you should be waking up saying, thank you, Dad, that I'm your daughter in whom you're well pleased. Isn't that what he made sure everyone knew? This is my son in whom I'm so well pleased. He wanted the world to know how pleased he was with his son, and he wanted his son to hear his father tell him how pleased he was. That's beautiful. Guess what? If you have Jesus' righteousness on, guess what you get to do? I can just see the Lord. I know how I'm with my kids. When I see my kids do something, I'm like, oh. I got to brag on my kids. Uh, one of my cousins, we're on the phone for like an hour. They asked, how's your kids? I'm like, oh, let me go. It's so exciting. It's so awesome when you can talk about your kids. They're so pleased. The Lord's going, oh. He's telling the angels. He's, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Do you know that? We're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. They're watching. They're cheering us on. And every once in a while, I think the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, they're elbowing each other going, He approves of us. We're righteous. I can't stand when I've heard this, and some of you hear me say this, but I, and I, if it's done out of ignorance, it's just ignorance. But I, I really don't like when people go, well, I'm just a sinner, just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner. Oh, that just irks me. I'm like, no, you're not. You don't know who you are. You're a son. You're a son. You're a daughter of the Most High. You're righteous. Well, I'm just a sinner. No, you're a You have the blood, but you're a you're a kingdom priest. That's what the word says. You're a kingdom priest. You get to take the blood and put it on the hyssop and apply it over the doorposts of your home. You're a son. There's authority that goes with that. There's an inheritance that comes with that. got half of that story. We're girded up, we have a good attitude, and we have a breastplate of righteousness on us. Amen? Why don't you just bow your heads for a second. Lord, I know it's your desire that every single person under the sound of my voice would not wonder Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would ever so lovingly just draw us. Holy Spirit, draw us. Every argument against becoming a son, draw us. You come to destroy, your word tells us that you came to destroy the works of darkness and to, to do good. You 
things of evil and darkness, the powers of darkness. And thank you, Lord, that you're doing that. And you want us to do that. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that if there's anyone struggling with righteousness, they're struggling with who they are in Christ, that that matter would be settled today. I pray for the believers who have just not received your righteousness. They have, for whatever reason, not been able to put their faith and trust in how you see them. Lord, I pray that these words that come out of my mouth today in your verse, in your scripture, Lord, would penetrate them. And that they would never, ever wrestle with their righteousness again. They would understand what justified means. Justified, just as if I never sinned. Justified. Holy, because the blood of Christ, the Holy One, has been applied. Not because you wore a fancy suit or didn't or didn't put on makeup or holy because of the blood, because of what he did for you. And Lord, we fully receive it. We we received your righteousness. Lord, give us the wisdom to never want to take it off. changing our attitude. We're taking ownership of it. Lord, that we are establishing ourselves and standing in the realm of truth. We believe that we were created in your image. You see us as sons and daughters that are sinless and spotless. And thank you for making us righteous. I just want to remind you guys that next Sunday we'll be at Italian Picnic Grounds. It's going to start at 10.30. Come in off Highway 49 side. Um, we're going to have lots of games and um, we're going to have a great lunch that will be catered. I really encourage you to invite someone, bring someone that maybe would never come to church. You can come to lunch and to a picnic. And there's not going to be, I don't believe anyone trying to force anyone to do anything crazy or not even going to be preaching, so... Praise God, you guys will have the, the week off. <laughs> so, uh, but, but in all seriousness, if, if, if you're not walking in that place of righteousness, just receive it. It's, there's, you receive it. It's already been done. You just have to put it on. Amen? Amen. All right, we'll see you next week. leaders, those who are church leaders of all the different departments, we're going to be meeting at my house at one o'clock, one o'clock at my house. Lord, I do not represent the rights of saints. Seeing beyond my circumstances, the joy that I have is my inheritance from this is the joy of the Lord. The chorus says, Joy, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy.